Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. This is episode 124. We're going to be talking about chapter 31 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. We're going to be talking about some owls today. No. No, they're they're not owls. That's what the chat, it says owls. No, it's O-W-L's. Say 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 what I'm saying. O O W W L L's S. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> say L L. Say O. o. Say W W. Say L. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't you do it. L's. Oh my. Mm. They're the O W L's. I thought this chapter was just going to be about the the furry fr- flying creature. A lot of mail, creature. getting a lot of mail. Yeah. No. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to have to reread the chapter then, because... I think you better. Well, before I do that, uh, we'll talk about chapter 30. But before we do that, let's talk about the last couple weekends we spent. Oh, we've been so busy. In the Windy City. Uh, the first weekend we spent up in Chicago, we were invited to... Uh, be a part of LeakyCon. This was our first LeakyCon. What was your overall experience at LeakyCon, which is primarily Harry Potter centered, but it also had some a little Lord, bit Lord of the Rings. There was Game of some Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's like fantasy. Yeah, books slash movies. Um, it was a little small. Uh huh. But it was fun. I I had fun. I primarily did some shopping. I had fun. I had fun. I had fun. I did a lot of shopping. I did a lot of perusing. Mm-hmm. We didn't really go to any of the panels. Um, and we didn't do like they had. They had a good number of celebrities there, mm-hmm. we, but we didn't do that. We were there just to check it out. Yeah, Draco was there. Percy was there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, other people from other things were there. Yeah, other people from other things were also there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Gilligan's Island thing. Uh, before they changed it to the Professor and Marianne, it, it was. was just- Gilligan, the skipper to the millionaire and his wife, the movie star, and the rest. There's only two and more. The rest. Look it up. Look it up. It used to be the movie star 
and the rest. And then eventually they changed it to the Professor and Mary Ann. But it was there's only two more. Like just just say them. Just em. say them. Say the know. names. That makes no sense. No, I bet their agents had a had a little issue with that. And that's yeah. probably why when the show gained popularity, they and Mary Ann was like one of the favorites. Yeah. I mean, I only vaguely remember the show, but yeah, um, I liked Marianne maybe because she was one of the youngest ones there. Yeah. I could a, relate you kind of have a Marianne look about you with the the brunette and yeah, pretty and and she was like, I guess the most normal one, you know. Right, can't really. She was like the farmer's daughter. Yeah, relate to the billionaire and the movie star mm-hmm. and you know whatever. Anyway. It was it was fun. I it was fun. I had fun. I had fun. Like I said, I did a lot of shopping. I bought a new wand from a real wand shop in yeah. Connecticut. Don't remember the if name. If you find that card, we'll give them a shout out. Yeah, you know, I know where media. it's at. It's in the other room. But um, I was not prepared. I guess I should have brought all that stuff in here with me. Yeah, it was fun though. I mean, we only went we only went for a day, and mm-hmm. that was. I mean, we didn't do. Like I said, there was a few panels, but there wasn't a lot of activities. I would have... It just didn't fit in our time frame, our time schedule. If we had been there all three days or whatever, I would have gone to, like, the the talks with the celebrities. They had a big, like, main stage mm-hmm. where, you know, the ones with, like, Tom Felton and stuff. I would have, I would have liked to have gone to that. Uh, but it just didn't really fit in our time, our schedule. The time that we were there, none of those things were going on. There was uh, sword fighting lessons with the guy, Arya's dance instructor from Game of Thrones. That sounded amazing. I really wanted to do that, but mm. there was an extra fee, of course, and I think it was sold out before yeah, I even knew about it. Fee. I think he only did the one, the one hour. Like It wasn't like the panels where they do, um, not the panels, but like the photo ops where they do them three or four times a day. Right. I think he only did that once. Made his money and got out of town. <laughs> I guess. I spent my money and got out of you town. You did. You bought a lot of pins and stickers. There were a lot of pins and stickers. I called there, it pin and sticker kind. It, especially that first room we were in, it really felt like that. But then there was another sale table room, and mm. I think they had a little bit more stuff. There was a lot of stuff from, like, books that I read. I got a sticker for Ketterdam, which is um, Six of Crows. Got Six of Crows stuff. There was some Throne of Glass stuff. All the Sarah Moss book stuff. Like you said, a lot of fantasy. And I got a fourth wing pin. So, just a lot of fantasy stuff. So then the following weekend, we traveled back up to Chicago from St. Louis, and we took part in Fan Expo Chicago, which was at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont, uh, in outskirts of Chicago, more suburban Chicago for those of you that are not familiar with the Chicago setup. Pretty, it used to be you would have to take the blue line out from city center or city proper, as <laughs> Kelly would say. Kelly. And it would take you about 40, 45 minutes to get out there to Rosemont. But it was a huge convention. It formerly was Wizard World, and Fan Expo has We'd been there before, taken it over. Wizard yeah, World. we've been been that uh, convention center many times. I really like Rosemont just because it's a lot more chill than 
being in the city, you know, you can actually find like, uh, you know, little places to eat and things like that, reasonably priced. McCormick's doing much better. Like it used to be like no man's land. Mm-hmm. It was we walked through the the abandoned lots to get to McCormick. Yeah. But uh, when Jennifer and I went up there for ALA, we did. There were more places to eat and get food, and there. Are, you know, they put in that other, or like, arena, that little mini yes. arena. Yes. And I think that's really helped because we there's... You saw wrestling there. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> did see wrestling there. And there's just a couple more places to eat now, I think. And um, some of it is connected to other hotels, so it's a little bit more upscale, probably pricier dinner, but... The Wind Trust Arena, I believe it's called. Oh, I had no idea. Wind Trust. But I think it's doing a little better. Okay, sorry. But I, I like the Rosemont area. I like that convention center. And I had a blast at this show. I had a really good time. I think it's because you overheated and then your brain just kind of bubbled. Maybe. I mean, the first the first day I was walking around as Hufflepuff Deadpool. And it was very hot in the convention center. You did a Hufflepuff Deadpool at LeakyCon, too, which mm-hmm. was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. I just want to go back and say that the costumes at LeakyCon were amazing. Yeah, there was a lot of really good costumes. Really there. good costumes. Although somebody told me, eh, Deadpool's not a Hufflepuff. It's canon. Look, look it, it up. up. <laughs> <laughs> they just they couldn't accept it. Yeah, There's like, a lot of people there who couldn't accept it. But the only one person really argued with you was kind of mad about it. Well, she was cosplaying as Draco, so maybe, maybe. she was just in character. Yeah. But we were... Asked, invited to uh, host Harry Potter Trivia on that Saturday. And we talked in the previous show, if you're listening to this in the future, everything went great. And it did go great. Perfect. We had, I think, like 70, 81? 81 teams. 81 teams. Uh, so, you know, we some people were playing solo, but some people were sharing a device in order to uh, send in their answers to us. So, I mean, I'm estimating just maybe 150, 200 people mm-hmm. uh, at the trivia, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. The, the group of three girls at that front table that were so stressed. They're very stressed. But also very excited. <laughs> She's like, it was, I said, we couldn't tell if you were very stressed or very excited. She's like, a little bit of both. Yeah. They, they were having a lot of fun. We had, we had a really good turnout. It was, like I said, very well attended. We gave out. A lot of buttons, a lot of stickers, a lot of bookmarks, a lot of t-shirts, a lot of uh, attendance prizes at the end of the game, and gave out some pretty big prizes for our three winners. But there was just a lot of a lot of really cool stuff going on at the show. We we bought some stuff from some cool artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought, uh, or I should say, we there was a room, and I forget the company that was running it, but they just did trivia and bingo. Like free trivia and free bingo, all like pop culture theme stuff all day for every so day of the show. Anytime you were just sick of walking around yeah. or needed to kind of cool down and yeah. chill. I wish we'd had some snacks to take in there with us because mm-hmm. like every time we'd sit down, I'd be like, hmm, I want some snacks. But um, yeah. One of the sponsors for the trivia room, though, was uh, a brewery. Yeah. And... The guys were having a little too much fun the first day we went in there. Yeah. I guess because it was the end of the day and they had been getting uh, complimentary uh, beverages 
throughout the, the day. Sponsor, yeah. And so there was not like little I, sample he, cups. He, he, There's a lot. You hear the you hear song should put mark on bingo board. Bingo, bingo board. Put mark on the board, bingo. Yeah. All right, let's go. Oh, and they they were not ever really on time, but it just didn't matter. You just went in there, sat down, jumped in wherever they were at, and played. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It, it was it was a really good show. I was I was very. Uh, very glad we went. Hopefully, we get invited back because uh, we would love to do it again. We did the bingo on Friday for a little bit, and we were kind of a little disappointed that we didn't have like a room like that to do mm-hmm. our event because we had checked out where ours was going to be, and it was over like by the food court. Yeah, there were tons of tables and chairs for people to sit, but it was kind of loud, and there was only one screen for us to put information on. We just weren't sure how that was going to pan out. It ended up working out well. Yeah, I it worked think. out. I mean, it worked out really well. Having a screen that was higher up because that one was like on the bottom of the desk, you know, the front of the desk area kind of thing. Plus, I like people to hear my voice. Yeah. And if I'm in a room that only the people in my room in the room can hear my voice, the people that want to be there. If I'm out on the sh- in the show area with, a, with the microphone, you. whether you want to hear me or not, you're going to hear me. <laughs> And they did. And they did. Like the people that people were giving tattoos <laughs> over there. There's the the tattoo aisle, and they they heard every word I had to say, whether they wanted to or not. Uh huh. The United States Air Force was over there. They had their booth yep, over the there. Air Force. They had to hear me whether they wanted to or not. So it, it really did work out. It was it was a really cool weekend for us. Uh, but let's talk about. Last episode, chapter 30, and then we'll get into chapter 31 and talk about some owls. No. Pardon me? O-W-L's. That's what I said. I just, instead of spelling it, I just said the word. But that's not what it is. Chapter 30 last time was titled Grop. That was one of the answers to our trivia this past weekend. Fred and George have left Hogwarts, but the swamp that they created is still there. Many of the students have picked up the slack on the mischief front. Harry finally lets out the secret that he's been the one bankrolling Fred and George's joke shop. We get the final match of the Quidditch season, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw, but Harry and Hermione are pulled away by Hagrid and drug into the forest to meet Hagrid's enormous half-brother, Grop, who also has been the reason why Hagrid has been so beat up lately. Hagrid brought Grop back with him. That's hard to say. Brought Grop, brought Grop back with him. When Hagrid was trying to get the Giants on Dumbledore's side, and Hagrid knows that he's likely to get fired soon and wants Harry, Ron, and Hermione to take care of Grop if and when Hagrid does have to leave. Uh, When Hagrid, Harry, and Hermione are heading out of the forest, they encounter angry centaurs who threaten Hagrid to leave the forest forever. We eventually get back to the Quidditch match just as it's ending, and somehow Ron was the star of the Gryffindor team, helping them to win the match and win the Quidditch Cup. Chapter 31. Weasley is our king. Oh, For real. W-L-S. No, you still said it wrong. That's what it says in the book. It's O period W period L period S. It's still O-W-L-S. Owls. Ron is on cloud nine following his Quidditch triumph from the day before. 
he's probably experiencing a bit of like what Fred and George get every day, isn't he? A little bit. Or kind of hairy when he would be the winner of, you know, the hero of the Quidditch yeah. game. So match, I guess, more appropriate. It's kind of cool for Ron, who always, he's kind of lived in his in the shadow of his brothers. And now that his brothers aren't there, he has this big success. And everybody's, you know, patting him on the back and singing songs for him and, you know, paying attention to him that they might not have paid attention to him before, at least not in a positive way. So, like I said, this has got to be kind of a cool situation for him. Mm-hmm. And like you pointed out before, kind of like uh, what he saw in the mirror in the beginning, first book. Ron is recalling the great moments from the match, but he feels pretty bummed out that Harry and Hermione didn't see the majority of the match. That's got to be a punch in the gut to him, right? I don't know. You tell me, Daniel. Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> didn't you score a goal in soccer? Yeah. So <laughs> So I was I was never a soccer player growing up. I was too I was too fat to be good at soccer growing up. I actually abandoned soccer like in fourth grade and switched to volleyball because it was much less running. Yes. Soccer is an insane amount of running yeah, for it's, anyone. It's ridiculous. And for, for a little fat kid it's it's like torture. I hated soccer practice, I hated soccer games. Hardly ever even touched the ball. There was one time where my dad tells me the story because I don't remember it because my brain got scrambled. Somebody reared back and just kicked the ball as hard as they could, and I was about two feet away from them. Hit me right in the face, and my dad said, "Let my feet like left the ground, and like my my soul like left my body <laughs> for a second. I think anybody who's ever played soccer has had that happen. Yeah. Um, that and the, did you ever kick, like, kick at the ball at the same time somebody else does and you hit your shins together? So I, so years later, and I'm talking, let's see, how old was I in third grade? Eight years old, maybe? I'm talking like 20 years later. Uh, a friend of ours was playing on an indoor soccer team and they needed an extra person to play. And there's so many people on the field in soccer that you just need a body out there to kind of get in the way. And I was like, oh, well, I, I can run around. I can, I can do that. And pretty early in the game, I found, you know, my lack of soccer skills were pretty much exposed. I went to kick the ball and I kicked <laughs> Kicked this guy straight in his shin, and he went down. He's holding his knees, crying like a little baby. And my brother and his girlfriend and you yes. were there watching. The whole time. No. At that, at that point, I guess, you guys, or probably my brother, said that he, I'm not watching this garbage. They went to go play video games. No, 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 no. That's not how it happened. <laughs> okay. First of all, we watched the whole time. No. Um, it had to have been during halftime or something. Uh, we got distracted by the claw game machine that gave you candy. And you got to play till you win. So, we just, we, had, we cheered so much during the first half of the game. 
we needed some uh, substance to get us through the second half of the game. So we went to the claw machine. You're full to get of candy. sustenance right now. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just following the ball up and down the field. Apparently, you don't do that in soccer. Apparently, like the forwards stay like on one side of the field, and the the defense stays on one side of the field. I'm just running back and forth, just chasing just, the just ball, just chasing the ball like a doggy. And the ball comes popping off. It's indoor soccer, so it comes popping off the wall right to me, and I just give it a little jab kick. Not the proper way to kick a soccer ball. No, I kick it with my toe, and I kick it straight into the goal. And it's, it was amazing. It was an amazing moment in it my was. athletic life. An amazing achievement for me. And then after the game, I'm kind of surprised that nobody is like mentioning it because of how obviously inept I was out there, but that I was able to somehow score a goal. I'm, I'm kind of a little flabbergasted how... Nobody is saying anything. And we were in the car riding back. And my friend, Brian, who invited me to play, says, Man, I can't believe you scored that goal. And everybody else in the car looks at each other. <laughs> like he just said some, you know, shockingly, you know, some shocking news that they weren't expecting. <laughs> And that's when you and my brother and his girlfriend were exposed as frauds for not watching the whole game and for missing my athletic achievement. Nope, we were there the whole because, time. Because you got pulled away by Hagrid to go mess around in the forest somewhere. You were there. You were in the building the whole time. Yes. But you weren't watching. Oh, we were. No. Like through the little window. And so this this lie... This, we will never admit it, guys. This never. this lie has has perpetuated and grown uh, to just mythic proportions over the years, and to this day, my brother won't admit that he didn't see the goal. And even one time, I said, "How long are we going to keep this going?" He said, "As long as it takes." <laughs> so yes, I do know what uh, Ron That's felt good. like. It is. It was a punch in the gut, but that bad feeling didn't last for long, because Ron, when Ron finds out that why Harry and Hermione were weren't at the match, what's Ron's reaction to learning about Grop? First, he's just like, "No, no, this this isn't happening. It's not true. He's lost his mind," and he. <sighs> He just kept saying, you know, you, well, obviously we're not going to do this, right? And Harry and Hermione are like, well, we promised. And like, we're going to have to break your promise because this is crazy. We can't do this. We're already close to getting expelled. N no, just no. There's a couple of lines that stuck out to me in this little back and forth. Hermione's really hammering home the point to Ron that Hermione and Harry made a promise to Hagrid to look after Grop. Mm-hmm. Why is this so important to Hermione? Is it just like part of her personality? Is it part of like being the honorable Gryffindor? Is it something instilled by her parents? Because, you know, Ron just seems like, oh, we'll just break the promise because this is crazy, but 
Hermione feels very different. Why is she so focused on well, the promise that she made? It's very different for the two of them because Ron, Ron wasn't there. Ron didn't make the promise. Ron didn't see how attached Hagrid is to his half-brother. Ron just wasn't there. He didn't see it. And Hermione... I, I don't know that like she would be this way about every promise, but they really like Hagrid. That's an important person in their life. And there are certain people you just don't break promises to. So the other line is a foreshadowing line by Ron when he mentions that the three of them probably won't even have to worry about Grop because Hagrid hasn't been fired yet. And given Hagrid's history, if he hasn't been fired for all of his misgivings before... He was probably bulletproof at this point. But then there's that double paragraph line break in the book. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the little time jump. They didn't just hit the J.K. Rowling didn't just hit the enter button. She hit it twice. <laughs> and that little tap tap usually, like you said, it signifies like a time jump. It signifies like... Uh, the pa- uh, the passing of whatever amount of time. But it uh, also feels like the equivalent to when somebody says, that's not going to happen. You can't do that. It's impossible. Somebody being like, watch this. Right. So that, that little double paragraph tab there that, she, that the author does, it kind of made me know what was coming <laughs> sooner rather than later. Letting you know that this is probably Ron jinxing Hagrid here. Mm-hmm. Time to talk about the namesake of our chapter, though. OWLs. The Owls. Not the magical post office variety, unfortunately. We're talking about OWLs. <laughs> the Wizarding World of Standardized Testing. Which are the tests that all fifth years have to take, which will influence their wizarding careers going forward. So what would you compare them to in in our world? Is this like the end of course exams in high school? Is this like the SAT, ACT? What would you compare it to? I don't think we have a good equivalent because these matter. Like SAT, ACT, SAT and ACT, they kind of matter, but only in the sense of, you know, colleges look at it and whether you get a scholarship look at it, but it doesn't actually matter like you could do never take them and still go to a college and still continue your study these might not be the one you want to go to or the best colleges or whatever and even like the standardized testing the kids do at art it's in the elementary schools it doesn't actually matter you're still going to graduate you're still going <laughs> to graduate you're still going to keep going to school and yeah, so I don't think we have a good one. I know the OWL is like, if you, I don't know, maybe if you fail them all, you're just out. But I don't think so. I think you can keep going in school. But it does determine if you're going to go for a particular career, you have to do well in those fields that are associated with that career in order to keep taking those classes. So, 
like the boys were talking about divination and how, well, we don't have Sagan anymore, so it doesn't matter that mm-hmm. we're going to fail them. And we don't want to do anything that involves divination, so it does, just doesn't matter if we don't pass, don't do exceedingly well or whatever, or pass them. But the ones that you need to continue your studies, they, they're really, really important. It's kind of like a one-shot only thing. The OWLs kind of remind me of how they're administered kind of reminds me of like the driver's exams here -hmm. in the United States. The fact that they have like a mix of like a a paper test component and then a practical exam as, as well. And for each exam, the students won't be taking their tests, but their Hogwarts professors, they're administered by an outside witch or wizard. Mm -hmm. And I was going to say that the closest thing I know of to them but not everybody has that had this experience. When I took my EMT classes, you went to school, you did your EMT class, and then you had to go somewhere else and take a test given by other people. It was a different organization, and there was a written exam, and then on a different day there was a practical exam. And you had to, you had to pass in order to become an EMT, and then if you wanted to con- continue on to be like a paramedic, so I, it's kind of like that is the closest I can think of, but yeah. not everybody's had that experience. I it's a little experience. bit about like teaching, too, because you have to pass a, a written test, but then you also have to do a semester of student teaching. Mm-hmm. And if you don't pass both of those things, I've I've had people, you know, friends of mine in college that got through student teaching, couldn't pass the, the teacher test, never never became teachers. I don't think we do that anymore. They, they, got, they, got, a, they got a degree. Uh-huh. They have a degree. But they don't have a license. But they don't have a license to teach. And I've had people uh, the opposite way, too. They passed the test, but then they did the student teaching. And they're like, I'm not going to want to do this for the next 25, 30 years. They really need to do some student teaching before they start. It's like people should live together before they get married. <laughs> like, you should have to substitute teach so many times. Like, you don't have to have a teaching degree or certificate or anything to substitute teach. Mm-hmm. So, before, if you're thinking about being a teacher out there, first of all, don't. Second, if you're thinking about it, do some substitute teaching first before you go through all that college to find out that teaching is not for you. Yeah, next time we have Kelly on the show, we'll have her... Give her thoughts on whether people should go into the the teaching field. Nope. Uh, There's talk about... I want you to talk about the black market that's developed around Hogwarts leading up to these tests. There's kind of a plethora of seemingly useless slash placebo effect elixirs and treatments that are being passed around Hogwarts as like like test-taking tools. Enhance your brain... Uh Uh, some sounded like only gave you like a couple hours boost, but that would be enough to like get through the test. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of junk going around and Hermione keeps confiscating it and disposing of it. Cause she knows it's just nonsense. Yes. It's just kids, kids trying to get, now that the Weasley boys have left this gaping hole of mischief and, <laughs> everybody uh, wants it on the and entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. There's people trying to fill that hole. If Fred and George were there, 
would they be spearheading this effort or are these practices too below friend George and they only focus on having pride in selling thing, magical things that actually work? If, if it was happening now, yeah, I think it would be below them. Maybe a few years ago, they were all about it. Maybe that's what got them started, got them into the idea. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we could, there's a market for stuff. But I think now they're smart enough that they want a good reputation. They're not going to sell junk that doesn't work. Because they want you to buy again and again and again. And if you buy something and it doesn't work... Mm-hmm. You're not going to buy from them again. Yeah, you're you going to think all of their stuff is is junk. Right. I, I just kind of wondered if this would be happening if Fred and George were still there. Or if this is just happening because Fred and George have left. I feel like it's something that probably happens every year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess mostly like the upperclassmen are like, hey... I got duped when I was a fifth year. Let me see if I can dupe these fifth years. And that, and that's why I kind of want, when you say it's the older kids, I kind of wonder if Fred and George being there, they're so good at what they do, mm-hmm. not just creating things, but selling them and making their a little side business out of it, that I wonder if everybody else in the school is just kind of, well, we're not going to be able to compete with, with these guys. You know, we respect the game <laughs> that they've got, and we're not going to, you know, put our foot foot into that arena. Mm-hmm. Maybe less in Gryffindor, but the other houses. Who knows what goes on in their common rooms? You know. You know like, these uh these elixirs and things that are being sold. It remind, reminds me of one of my dad's friends, who is a medical doctor. You probably know who I'm talking yep. about here. My dad always says that. This friend of his never met a never met a homeopathic treatment that he didn't immediately fall in love with. Like any time some newfangled, you know, like I said, homeopathic, non-prescription, non-FDA approved for this specific thing for this the the treatment of this specific ailment comes out, he's all on board. He's hundred percent on board with it. He was very uh, anti when I got uh, COVID again uh, within the last four or five months and I got the the Paxlovid, Mm -hmm. the antiviral medicine. He was very against that. And (laughs) my dad said he wanted um, him to do uh, this other one. Iver, Iver. (laughs) It was the horse dewormer. He wanted to put, he wanted to pump me full of horse (laughs) Serum. <laughs> but I remember when I was, uh, before I had my knee surgery, like in 2000, he wanted me to try this shark cartilage, <laughs> these shark cartilage pills, because like sharks have like regenerative properties in their fins or something like that. Or, I don't know. Maybe, are their teeth? I think their teeth can grow their back. Their teeth grow back. Like, that, but that's... That's how they are. Like their teeth grow back. Yeah, they, they, they shed their teeth all the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah, teeth it's not like a, not like a set of baby teeth and then and the adult just teeth. Rows of more teeth right. already growing behind it. But he wanted to get me on this shark cartilage because he thought it helped my knee. No, no, it's that's 
nonsense. Are teeth made out of cartilage? I don't think they are. I don't think they are either. <laughs> and I'm like, and their fins I know, don't ears grow are. back. Ears are made out of cartilage. Yeah, because they, they were talking about... <laughs> Do sharks grow new ears? <laughs> no. But they don't grow new fins either. They, they I watched that whole program about the shark fin soup and how they, it's a huge market and they go out and they just like mass murder all these sharks uh, and cut their fins off so they can make soup out of it. Shark fin soup. Jess will be putting the recipe up on no, no, on Twitter. We don't support shark fin soup. Uh, kind of a mixed bag with how Harry, Ron, and Hermione are performing on these tests. There are some mix-ups on some of the spells and some of the written information, but overall, things seem to be going pretty smoothly for the three of them. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about some of the evaluators here, some of the... Uh, test administrators that are being brought in some seem to be very strict and very professional and very no nonsense and some like professor tofty who evaluates harry on his defense against the dark arts skills seem a lot looser with their testing procedures does that surprise you does that it, it the thing that popped in my head. I don't, I don't tell me if this is crazy. Is there any comparisons to like dog show judges that you've encountered? Because <laughs> you used to do a lot of dog shows. With I did. I our, would our not have thought that these was a comparison. But did you see like a lot of that were just very not personable, very very formal, very uh, by the book, and then you had some that had a little more fun with it. Yeah, I mean, I think you just chalk that up to people are individuals and yeah. they're going to do what they want to do. And some people are naturally a little more chatty and fun. And some people might be a little more strict. Some people just might be a little less chatty and fun until you get to know them kind of thing. Like, I don't know you, so I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just going to do what I need to do. Um, The Cardinals are getting ready to play, apparently. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Got a notification. Um, but yeah, there were always judges that would, you know, giggle and laugh with you or say some weird comment or, um, <laughs> there was a UKC show that Debbie and I went to and it was Vesper and Batman were the only Basenjis there and we were showing and Batman won with that judge and Debbie made a comment about, well, I knew Vesper wasn't going to win when Jess was holding hands with the judge. Mm. And somebody was like, what? Mm. And I, I said, we were talking about how it was cold in the building because, you know, he has to check boy dogs and it was cold in the building. And... So we were joking around about that, and I said, yeah, my hands are freezing. So he grabbed them and acted like he was going to warm them up. The behind-the-scenes <laughs> shenanigans that goes on, the favoritism that's shown, wow. Like there, was just there, being there's friendly. No, there's no honor anymore in competition. He was just being friendly. Yeah, And UKC was. shows are a lot more laid back than <laughs> AKC shows. You don't want to go to those UKC shows. It's like a like a seventies hippie party at <laughs> Studio Fifty Four. There's a lot of partying going on. Ours were always Halloween themed parties, though, not seventies themed parties. I expected Hermione to be a little more cool, calm, and collected 
in this chapter. But she's kind of a frazzled mess. Yeah, no, I expect her to be a frazzled mess. She gets that way. I just thought that she would thrive under testing. It reminded me of in the office when uh, the t- uh, for those of us that for those of you that are overseas, the American version of the uh, British TV show. There's a it's like evaluation time where they have to go in and get their yearly evaluation to see mm-hmm. if they're going to get a raise. And Angela says something like. Like, I look forward to performance reviews. I did the youth beauty pageant circuit. I, you know, thrive on being judged (laughs) and evaluated. I kind of, that's kind of like what I thought Hermione would be like. This would be like her Christmas. All these tests back to back to back. Yes, but she's also such a perfectionist and puts so much pressure on herself that, um, you know, she was fine if the test went fine. Because remember, she came out and the boys were like, what's going to be? What I, kind think, of- I think I could have added more on question 12, but... Yeah, she, the one test went good and the boys were like, oh, oh shoot, thank goodness. Because she'd been crabby after the last test and mm. she'd missed a couple. She missed, like, she switched two things up. Yeah. And she was upset about it for the whole day or whatever. So, you know, when it went well, she was fine, but... Well, let's she be honest, it's up, all going to go well for Hermione. Yes, mis- mixing two things up is not going to fail her. I mean, I used to always do that, too, whenever I had, like, a big presentation or something uh, for... And I'm not thinking, like, in college, because I don't even think I did anything in college. <laughs> I don't remember doing, like, any kind of, you know, big test or big anything. And big papers or anything like that. But like when I started teaching and you have to start presenting in front of your peers. And it's a little, when you've got these teachers who have been teaching for 30 years and you're fresh out of college and somebody asks you to do a presentation on something because you're low man on the totem pole and you got to pay your dues, it's very nerve wracking. But you build it up to be worse than it actually is. And then you actually get through and you're like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't so bad. And I kind of, Maybe that's kind of what Hermione's going through here. Uh, Harry and Ron bomb divination, but it's time for the astrology exam. And for this one, it has to be done at 11 p.m. in the tower. You got to be able to see the stars, right? Of course. So we see some shadowy figures heading out of the castle. Again, this is almost midnight. Mm -hmm. And they're heading toward Hagrid's hut. Describe... What happens next? Okay, so again, I haven't read the books in a very long time. I was actually thinking about it just a little bit ago. How long has it been since I've read these books? Because I haven't read them since we started, and we've been doing this for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And I think it had been a few years before that since the last time I read them. And I totally forgot about this and found it a bit traumatic. Like, I was like, oh, oh, no, oh, no. That that just happened? Like, I was a little, like, that didn't just happen. Um, But, yeah, they they sneak out of the castle at almost midnight, go over to Hagrid's. And who, and who is in, it's Umbridge and her cronies, cronies right? Cronies, yeah, we don't know exactly who. He does yell out a name of mm-hmm. uh, somebody. We're guessing but, it's people from uh, affiliated with the ministry. Yeah. 
and uh, they bang on Hagrid's door. They go inside. Then he starts yelling, and then they come. They come out in like a brawl. They're they're trying to stun him, and things escalate very very quickly. Yes. And children are on the tower just trying to try and take their test, and basically witness all of this happening. It wakes up half the castle. Mm-hmm. People are hanging out windows watching it happen. Uh, Fang gets stunned and is knocked out trying to protect Hagrid. So there's this big brawl between... Can, can you call it a brawl? Because Well, I guess he does start swinging. Yeah, there's... Oh, there's yeah. But it's like, it's, it's like five, six on one, and they're attacking him with magic. Yeah. With, a, with weapons. He's just defending himself with his fists. So, I, like you said, it's very traumatic. And it gets very violent. Did Umbridge... We kind of knew that Umbridge was going to fire Hagrid eventually. Mm Because she's trying to get rid of anybody that has any kind of positive connection to Dumbledore. Did Umbridge fire Hagrid and he's refusing to go and that's why he's being assaulted? Or did Umbridge and her cronies just come in wands blazing? And if so, how is that okay? I don't know. Later, someone makes a comment about at least they didn't drag him off to Azkaban, mm-hmm. which we know has happened already once that Hagrid had to go to Azkaban for no good reason. Which I'm is, like, which is was nuts. she, was which is she nuts. coming up with some <laughs> reason? Was he, you know, they're saying he was being treasonous or something, or mm-hmm. he was helping Dumbledore and. So he was like, was he being arrested? Because it sounded like they were taking him. Yes, that's in. that's what that's the way I took it. But and they, he didn't but want they to didn't be taken in. Because if they were just firing him, I think Hagrid already he, had he knew seen, it was coming. He, he already accepted that, and he said, he even said in the last chapter, well, you know, then I could you know focus more on doing my work for Dumbledore, which is. The most important thing. Yeah. There's nothing more important than so that. So they right didn't now. just go down there and tell him to pack his stuff up right. and leave. They were going to arrest him or something. Right. I think take they him tried for to questioning yeah. or something. It, it wasn't a Trelawney situation mm-hmm. where they were just ushering her out. I think Hagrid would have just said, "Okay, let me grab my dog and I'll get out of here. Grab grab my crossbow. <laughs> grab my dog and I'll see you down the road." Umbridge and her cronies had to have come in with some kind of aggressive, with some kind, some kind of aggressive nature, like you said. They had to they have were, either been trying to had to have been removing, like taking him somewhere, right? He didn't not want to not go. just removing him from the position, but you know, trying to trying to because he's a he's a very prominent piece of Dumbledore's army, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. They're trying to take that piece off the board. And they're they're trying well, to do it right now. But she might have believed that he knew. I mean, she definitely believes that he knows where Dumbledore sure. is, knows his plans, knows what he's gonna do next. They probably want to take him in for questioning uh, or torturing, torturing, yeah. questioning, serum. But Professor McGonagall sees this happening. And charges out of the castle to try to get the attack on Hagrid to stop. And this was the most traumatic part for me. I couldn't. Takes four stunning spells straight to the chest. Not great for someone at the advanced stage of no. McGonagall. And I, I was in total denial. Like I read it, I'm like, no, no, she blocks him. 
right? She blocks them. I mean, I know she's okay. But I was still just, no, no, and that how didn't is, happen. How is that okay? How, it's <laughs> not. You just assault. She didn't come out wand blazing. No, she, she didn't come out firing at them. No, she didn't try to physically break it up or anything. She's just yelling. And then the real scary part is this is essentially the government. Yes. Doing this. Yes. Like we we kind of, and we joke about this a lot at our trivias about who's scarier, Voldemort or Umbridge. And it's almost always Umbridge. This is why. Yeah. And, and we forget that she's not just the bad guy no. who's coming in and causing chaos and bad things. She is representing the government. It's, she's not just the Joker. Yeah. She's the Joker if he was like king of the world. <laughs> <laughs> And had armies to command and things like that. Or president of the United States, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a position of power like that. To be able to not just manipulate things, you know, in a, on a physical level. She can, she can do things cloak and dagger behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here wondering, like, how is this okay? Well, who's going to punish her? She is the authority. Yeah. It's not like some bad guy broke in and attacked Hagrid. Mm-hmm. It's she has she's the headmistress of the school. Yeah, the headmistress of the most prominent wizarding school mm-hmm. in, in that part of the world, and also the Madam Undersecretary, yeah. or whatever her <laughs> other title, Chancellor of Hobnob, whatever. Yeah, so she's got like two titles here that she's pulling power off of well Hagrid continues to fight even after like you said fang is down mcgonagall is down continues to refuse to fall throws fang onto his back and sprints away into the night and we've talked about several chapters ago the relationship between giants and magic we know that giants are not big fans of wizards and witches but i didn't know how virtually immune to magic that they were yeah part of me wants to say this felt a little convenient for the for the scene mm-hmm. because we weren't aware of this we as readers were not aware of this fact until this happened i feel like it should have been dropped somewhere else um so that when it happened it was a little more believable just from a writer's standpoint i feel like that would have been better if we knew that before we got into this scene. But yeah, and it also seems a little like, well, then why are they afraid of wizards and right. magic if yeah. they are immune to it? I'm going to guess they're not and immune. Hagrid's only half giant. He's only half <laughs> giant. I'm going to guess they're only immune. There's some spells they're not immune to. Maybe stunning spells was as far as they were willing to go, and that's too minor to affect Hagrid like if they went to something bigger perhaps um, and then I was thinking back to because I mentioned giants and trolls and I was thinking back to the troll thing and how the boys knocked the troll out but they knocked it out with the club mm-hmm. so there is but they did it using magic so there is still ways to use magic and harm giants and trolls 
it's just not as easy as we would have thought before this scene. Yeah, you just need to Leviosa like a big tree or something. Yeah, clopper him on the head. <laughs> Throw it's it fine. at him. Cause some major brain damage. I love this line from Professor Tofty. After all of this nonsense goes on, like you said, just the traumatic events of McGonagall going down, Hagrid fighting off all of these wizards and witches and running off supposedly never to be seen again as uh, a professor at Hogwarts. Professor Tofty just goes, um, five minutes to go, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Which totally reminds me of standardized testing at the elementary schools yeah. because you would have some child inevitably have a meltdown and didn't want to do it or just, you know, had to be removed from the classroom kicking and screaming and the rest are like, okay, focus. <laughs> focus on your tests, everybody. And then there's do another. the best you can do. There's another line from Ernie McMillan, who I believe, I believe is a Hufflepuff. And all of this, like you said, it's just these kids have to, to deal with what they just saw. And Ernie goes, oh, dreadful, dreadful. Well, I'm off to bed. Night off. Night off. <laughs> Like, oh, that stinks. Yeah, I'm going to go hit the hit, hit the head. Yeah, I got to go to bed. <laughs> Big test tomorrow, too. Um, that just kind of reminds me of, like, the cliche millennial thing where they're like, it's just been one trauma thing after another where this is how, this is just life now. Yeah. Um, because Hogwarts, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's some drama every time you turn around. Yeah, there's not a lot of downtime there. But in the middle of all this crazy drama, the students still have to try to get to sleep that night and take the History of Magic exam the next afternoon. Of course, Harry's exhausted. I think they said they were, it wasn't until like 4 a.m. that the common room cleared and everybody went off to bed. Probably not getting even getting a good night's sleep after that. You know, a lot of Dumbledore's, uh, pro -dumb all, the pro-Dumbledore side is being removed from Hogwarts here. Dumbledore himself is gone. Hagrid is gone. Uh, who knows how the... Trelawney's not teaching anymore. Yeah, the health state of McGonagall there. right now. Of course, Harry's exhausted. Probably didn't sleep very well. We know that when Harry is sleepy, his connection to Voldemort creeps in. So describe what happens here in our final scene during the History of Magic exam. Yeah, History of Magic would be the worst one to take, too. No matter what, if you got a good night's sleep, if there was no drama the night before, it would still be the worst one. At least for me, I hated history and having to remember dates and orders mm -hmm. and times and all that stuff. And so, yeah, Harry's trying to remember. He's picking and choosing which questions to answer which makes sense you know you don't just sit there and dwell on one you don't know yeah that, well, that's a test taking strategy yeah you, you gotta know. move on pick one but he keeps getting distracted by like the light in the person's hair in front of him and just really struggling but he even starts to think well if i if i could do occlumency i could just like reach into somebody else's mind and see the answers so it's like he was i feel like he was just really opening the door wide um, he was tired, he was distracted, he was emotional, and he starts thinking about getting in other people's heads, and before, he, and he's putting his head down and, like, covering his eyes, and eventually he's having the 
I don't want to call it a dream because, but it's the same dream he's been having. Mm -hmm. We don't really know that he fell asleep or anything, but he's in that dream where he's running down the hall to the door. He opens the door. He goes through another door and he's almost to where he can get the thing that he's wanted for so long. But there's somebody on the ground. Um, you know, he's seeing through Voldemort's eyes again. And there's somebody on the ground and Voldemort is torturing them to get the thing that they that he wants. And we find out that it was serious. And Harry screams and, like, falls out of his desk. And that's how our chapter ends. Yeah, not enough drama. Like, yeah. I would have been done after the whole McGonagall and Hagrid mm -hmm. thing and let's go to bed. I would have been like, okay, we got through that chapter. But then we got to go into a yeah. whole other thing. Drama, drama, drama in this chapter. So we're going to have to see... What plays out with Hagrid? We're gonna have to see what plays out with McGonagall. We're gonna have to see what plays out with, you know, the latest uh, issue with Harry. And the thing is, who does he go to talk to about this now? You know, Dumbledore's gone. McG McGonagall is incapacitated. Hagrid's gone. You know, who? I doubt that he'd be able to swing the uh, the flu network thing again. Now the Weasley boys are gone to <laughs> make the distraction uh, in order to talk to, to Sirius and Lupin. Who does who does Harry go to about this? You know, he's he's in a really he's running out of allies here. Mm. Uh, and that's the end of chapter thirty one. OWLs. There you go. You're welcome. Uh, we do have an email. What? You didn't tell me we had an email? We do have an email. Uh, this email is from one of our favorite people in the entire world. Oh, yeah. She told me. Our favorite Slytherin in the entire world. And that would be Kelly up in New York. Hi, Kelly. And this one was funny because Kelly thought that she had sent this email to us <laughs> like weeks or months ago. And, and we were just horrible friends and we who were didn't just, do her like, email. She's like, why would... why?" And she never mentioned it, but she has been, you know, she has been a little, um, you know, off-putting lately, and, and now we know why. Has she? <laughs> Wait, what? Wait. Well, what? Like she's, we've been, we've still been, you know, talking to her on Zoom, but she's felt a little distant lately because I think she thought that we, her friends, were not reading her email, and I think that hurt her feelings. But in reality, this email was in her draft folder and oh. was never sent. Ask me any question. I'm ready. <laughs> so Kelly finally sends the, finally realizes that she hadn't sent it, tells us this, and now we're going to read her email. And I, I promptly forgot, but now I remember. Hi, Dan and Jess. A few episodes ago, a listener asked you about the tendency to sort all villains into Slytherin. As a proud Slytherin myself, I've always felt it lazy to classify all villains as Slytherins. You mentioned Emperor Palpatine as being a Slytherin, which I totally agree with. Staying in the Star Wars realm, I feel that Darth Vader would be a Gryffindor. He is bold, daring, and very courageous. Yet he doesn't appear to be as ambitious as a Slytherin would be. 
I'd love to hear your thoughts. Keep up the great work with the podcast. Thank you, Kelly. You can always send us your emails, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com, or send us a direct message on Facebook or Twitter, which is now apparently called X. So weird. (laughs) So dumb. So dumb. (laughs) I hate it so much. I kind of feel like I'm doing something wrong if I click on it. Like, I don't know. Like you think you're getting on a inappropriate website or yeah, something? Yeah, it's black X. and it's X and it's uh, it's very aggressive. It is very it is very aggressive. The, the, uh, the little icon is very aggressive. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, do I want to push this? Am I going to get in trouble? What's happening? Uh, if you follow us on Instagram too, at uh, Broomsticks B Podcast, I think you can send messages on there as well. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so definitely on X at Broomsticks B. On Instagram at Broomsticks B Podcast, and just look up Broomsticks and Butterbeer on Facebook. But uh, Kelly's email here talking about sorting pop culture figures. Any thoughts? Um, it's been a while since I've watched, sat down, and like absorbed mm-hmm. the Star Wars older movies. Sure, but I can see her points. I mean, you yeah. have to. Kelly's kind of the resident Harry Potter and the resident Star, Star Wars. Wars. So, expert she in our group. So, so if she says it, has it to I'm be. just going to go with it. And but it makes it's sense. the ambition thing I'm trying to think about. I'm like, I guess he wasn't super ambitious. I mean, he always he kind of wanted more power. Yeah, but he kind of just wanted to fall. He just kind of just wanted to love Padme mm-hmm. and. Just have everybody get off his back. Yeah. He never wanted to be... And he could have easily... I don't know if easily... He could have killed the Emperor pretty much whenever he wanted... And become Emperor if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. He could have done that. And I think the Emperor would have liked that. He would have you know, would have been okay with that happening. But Anakin slash Vader never... That's not what he ever really wanted... He kind of just wanted to be a good person. He kind of he wanted to. He just wanted to be happy. He he loved his mom, and that was taken away from him. He loved Padme, and that was t- taken away from him. He never, you know, got to know his kids because they were taken away from him and told that they, you know, died in childbirth. And he just had all of this, these negative things thrown at him. But even so, at the end, he dies a hero. And that that does seem like a like a, a conflicted Gryffindor to me. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a Hufflepuff. Definitely not a a Ravenclaw. Um, because he is kind of a jock, you know. <laughs> He's more machine than man at the end. But he was, you know, one of the, you know, most powerful and athletic, I guess. Yeah, and he really kind of in relation fell down into that success. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't make him a better person to right. be successful and powerful. Yeah, it made him a worse person. Right. Um. So yeah. He kind of he kind of just wanted to love and never really got the chance to, and kind of a victim of the circumstances ended up turning to the dark side, but then at the end, you know, makes the right choice ends up dying, you know, for the sake of his family and for, you know, the sake of the universe as a whole. So 
you talked about and Kelly talked about sorting quote unquote bad guys in Slytherin, kind of just the the lazy move. You got to dig a little deeper mm-hmm. into that. Yeah, nobody's generally if they're interesting villains, they're not just a villain. Right. There's something going on. Right. There's some need they're trying to fulfill, some right they're trying or some wrong they're trying to right. And they also, we've always said the best villains believe that what they're doing is correct, the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thanos believes that he's helping to help the universe carry on for another, you know, 100 million years or whatever. Instead of letting a planet get overpopulated and mm-hmm. destroy itself, right. he's saying if you cut down the population, then the planet will be able to survive. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, more people will be able to survive. People aren't fighting over resources anymore. You know, not as many people to to, to argue with over anything, religion or or, or anything. But uh, yeah, I think that the reason why a lot of people automatically kind of go toward the Slytherin thing for for the bad guys, besides lazy, besides lazy. Okay, <laughs> I believe it's in the the very first sorting ceremony that we ever see. And I forget who says it. Uh, I, I don't know if it was Ron who said, well, you don't want Slytherin. Pretty much every wizard that's ever gone, you bad. Know, gone bad has been in Slytherin. But he didn't say every wizard that's ever gone bad. He said He's probably talking about just the most prominent ones. But there, I'm sure, 100% sure, there, just by law of averages, there had to have been Gryffindors and Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws that have gone to the dark side, for lack of a better term, in the wizarding world. And I world. could totally see that in Ravenclaw. Kind of like the Thanos thing. Mm-hmm. He he's not he's not wrong. No, he's being very. There was even um, the joke after that. A lot of people had like the T-shirts and everything. That Thanos, Thanos was right. Thanos was not <laughs> wrong. Um, he's kind of detached from his emotions and thinking very clinically yeah, very and very scientifically, mm-hmm. which I could totally see Ravenclaw is doing. Um, that they're like, I, I've, I've studied it. I've, I, I read about it. This is what's the problem and this is how we can fix it. Mm-hmm. It means mass murdering people, but mm-hmm. you know, well, maybe Thanos was Ravenclaw. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you could, and you could see that, even from a Hufflepuff side, because this happens to me all the time, I give people way too much the benefit of the doubt. And my mom, too. I think me and my mom are the two big ones that, <laughs> that come to mind. We get taken advantage of a lot. We get exposed for our kindness a lot. And you could easily see how, if that happened to you repeatedly... How that could make that could make you jaded, and that could make you, you know, kind of switch over to the, you know, the dark side of magic as well. Well, it goes back into like the writing a wrong. Mm-hmm. Like you've been wronged so many times that now you're not gonna you go to an extreme to keep it from happening again or to keep it from happening to somebody else. Bad guys are just extremists, basically. Yeah. You. You just take it too far. Yep, I agree. Well, thank you for the email, Kelly. We appreciate it. Again, send us your emails, room6.butterbeer at gmail.com. Uh, if you were at any of our uh, events, 
over the last couple weekends in Chicago. Just shoot us an email and we'll give you a shout out as well. Again, at BroomsticksB on X. <laughs> at BroomsticksB Podcast on Instagram. Uh, Broomsticks and Butterbeer on Facebook as well. Thanks everybody even, downloading, listening, and subscribing. We really say, appreciate it. Even if you don't have a question or anything to say, just say hi. I was yeah. at your thing. It was fun. Yeah, we appreciate or it. Or it was dumb. I don't know. I I don't, oh, we did I don't know some, your opinions. We did but. meet some listeners in Chicago. Yeah, it was it was just there was so much going on. It was really brief, but it was like one woman did will come up and she was like, "Hey, I'm on episode whatever and catching up or something like that." Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "Oh, like it even took me a second. I'm like, what is she talking about? <gasps> oh, she listens." Mm-hmm. I I don't know why that just didn't occur to me that somebody was going to come up that had listened. Yeah. Uh so Hi to you. I don't remember her name. <laughs> hi to you. Hi to you. And hi to all of you. All of the listeners, old and new, who are joining us on this journey through the Harry Potter novels. And we talked about Chapter 31 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix today. A special shout out to our inner circle here. Jennifer, Catherine, Luke, Amelia, Jane, Ronnie, Anastasia, Kelly, and Olivia. Those of us, those of uh, them who have been with us since day one and will continue uh, Wait a minute. To Olivia hasn't us. been with us since day one. Ooh, neither has uh, Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie or Amelia either. Yeah. So you are. What are you saying? Are you saying they're not as important? Uh, you're the one who <laughs> just said been with us since day one. Usually, you just say inner circle. I'm gonna, I'm gonna count them as, as day one. Come on, they didn't. They didn't. Their day one. Yeah. Since their day one or since our day it, one, we'll take for, either since one. Since the day one of their lives. They've been, okay, okay. <laughs> so it's a double meaning. Us. It's just a double meaning. Yeah, there you go. It's, okay. it's open to interpretation. It's like um, like a Robert Frost poem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, and subscribing. We really appreciate it. Spreading the word. Uh, thanks to Fan Expo and LeakyCon for having us. Hopefully we'll get to do that again next year. LeakyCon's in Portland next year, so I don't know if we're going to be able to make that trip. Is it in Portland next year, or is there just another one in Portland? I think it's Portland next year. Because they were, I don't know, they put up videos about, make your reservation for Portland. Yeah, we'll have an intern look it up. Uh, but until then, something we say at the end of every show, be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Or a git. See ya. Bye. Magic in me Every time I touch that track It turns into gold